Welcome back to Epilogues, an unpacking of the weekly Haftarah. You are listening to Rabbi Yaakov Trump. This week we're going to be looking at the Haftarah of Parshas B'Shalach. This Haftarah is an exceptionally long Haftarah because it is both the story that occurs in Perek Dalad in Sefer Shavtim and it is also the Shira, the song which occurs afterwards, which is Perek Hay of Sefer Shavtim. Um, it is obviously chosen as the Haftarah of Parshas B'Shalach because it talks about what is a miraculous victory for the nation of Israel over their enemies. It also relates to water, you, the, uh, a miracle that occurs through water and a song that ca- that occurs there afterwards. Let's jump straight in. The story is one which we know well. Let's just make sure we got all the details in place and then we'll try to stand back and reflect for a moment. So we're we're told about a woman by the name of Devorah. She was an Isha Nevi'ah. She was a prophetess. Whether that means that she was the wife of a man by the name of Lapidos, or that she was involved in fire, she made wicks for the base of Migdash, uh, the Mishkan, as Rashi suggests, or you know, in general, just uh, she was a very powerful, passionate woman who got things done, um, and she judged Israel, um, which uh, that means to say that she had a place in a Tomer Devara, this, this palm tree that she would sit under, and um, for, for the sake of um, of not having seclusion with perhaps male litigants, she'd be having an outdoor courthouse, and people would come and visit her and bring her and bring her cases. So it sounds like she was a very powerful leader um, at this time. She is she is included as one of the shoftim in Sefer Shoftim, and we hear that at this point in time that the that uh, she calls Barak bin Avinoam, which some say her husband, or but he's certainly a military leader, and uh, he 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 calls him out. She calls him up from Kadesh, Kadesh Naftali, and she says, you know, now is the time to go to Har Tavar, and Tavor, which is one of the mountains in the north of Israel, and um, this is found in the upper Galilee, just about 25 minutes away from Tiveria, and he say, and she says to him, she says, you're going to bring with you 10,000 men and from Naftali and Zavulun, and we're going to go to the Valley of Kishon, the Kishon Valley, and fight Sisra, who is the general of the Canaanite armies under the King Yavin of Canaan, and we're, and this is going to be a successful victory. And Barak says, if you come with me, I'll go. If you don't, I won't. So Barak is very much dependent upon her. And she says a curious word, a curious statement to him. Um, she says, I will go with you. But know that the that the the victory will be at the hands of a woman, which uh, in most basic sense will be through her. But there are two other women that are involved in the story, which are important to note. Let's go a little further. We hear about how Barak does pull together the armies of Zavulun and Naftali. Remember, everybody's operating in a tribal system at this point in time. There's no centralized federal government. There's no king. So each shofet is lo- in a locale, and they are pulling their neighbor tribes in. And they raise this army of ten thousand, and they um, and they ultimately do prevail in this victory against the Canaanites. Um, they wipe out the army of the Canaanites and the general. Despite the advanced military technology in their chariots, Sisra is sent running on his foot. He retreats into allied territory, into the area of the Kani, which is actually from the um, descendants of Yisra, um, who have an alliance with the Canaanites. So this is safe territory for him. He's running away, away and he comes to the tent of Hever, who's a, one of the Kenites. Um, but it turns out that his wife is there. And, um, and uh, um, the... Uh, the the wife Yael, 
um, who is a non-Jewish woman, she's a non, non-Israelite, um, uh, brings him in, calls him in, and uh, she invites him in, and uh, she, she puts him to sleep under the blanket, and then takes a tent peg and puts it through his head, thereby ending the battle, because when the generals come through, and the Israelite generals come through looking for him, she pulls out his head and shows that she's, she's cut off his head after she, uh, she had killed him, and that really ends the um, the, the the whole battle, and uh, and this is now sort of the end of the story part, followed now by a very beautiful song, Vatosha Devora Uvarak Ben Avinoam by Yamahulemar, and they they create the song. But before we get to the song, just a few basic points that are worth considering over here. Number one is, is that this Haftarah, or really this section of the Navi, is part of what's called the cycle of Shoftim. The general cycle of Shoftim is articulated at the beginning through a prophet, the Malach, the beginning of Sefer Shoftim, which is that when Israel becomes a little too close and uh, for comfort, when they be too enculturated by the surrounding Canaanite nations, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu sends them an oppressor. That oppressor then comes and, uh, and takes control forces taxes, removes military equipment, and that gives them a really hard time. Until which time the nation of Israel will call out, Hashem will then send a savior. That savior is, has the name of a shofet, a judge. The judge will um, um, push back the enemy, um, give a moment of peace and calm. Israel will get rest and plenty and then return, unfortunately, to being culturated by their surroundings. This is the cycle which is predicted at the beginning of Sefer Shoftim and it plays itself out numerous times. This is one of them. They're in a trough right now. They're under the hands of Yavin, the king of Canaan, and this is Devorah pushing back and she'll be the Shofetis for these 40 years afterwards. So it's a very, and that's going to be a period of peace before the next time. Um, it, it's worthwhile noting throughout Sefer Shoftim that the oppressors are different each time. There's different, whether it's the Moabites, whether it's the Canaanites, whether it's the Amalekim or the Midianites, every time there's a different oppressor. But Akash Baruch has different instruments to use when it comes to um, exacting the justice because of their behavior as well. It's worth also noting that Devorah is unique and she's one of the Shiva Neviyot. She's one of the seven articulated prophetesses in Tanakh. But she's not just a prophetess, we see that she's also a judge. She also has a leadership position or at least a, uh, a, a teaching position um, in, the, in the nation of Israel. Very, very powerful woman, obviously respected by all, including the general themselves, himself. We now move to the actual song. The song, which is the Perak Hay, is actually easier to, to, lo- to look at in, the, in seven sections. We're going to take a look at the seven sections. Before we go forward, it's worthwhile noting that there are two different types of strong stru- structure. If you look at the actual syntax in Tanakh, um, one is like the Ha'azino structure where you have um, two, two columns, uh, two, two columns, which is bricks upon bricks. Um, and then there's the Aziashir formula, which is what's called Ariach Agabelevena, where it's sort of staggered bricks. So it looks like a wall um, with gaps in between. And that's the way that this song is actually written in Tanakh itself. And um, the, uh, the Mishpatzai Zahav in his commentary on Tanakh uh, suggests that this is to indicate that when looking back on history, there's still gaps. Even though when you see the salvation and you sort of see how it comes out, it, you, it takes time to sort of appreciate all the gaps because history is not easy to read. It takes time, perspective to be able to appreciate and that's what's being said in the song as well. So let's jump straight into that in, into the song which obviously is paralleling the Az Yashir in this week's parsha. The first section of um, of this song is five Psukim, which is really a general introduction to the greatness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and it describes how that Devorah and, and Barak set up this song when HaKadosh Baruch Hu Bifroah, Pero Ois, Yisrael, Am Baruch Hu Hashem, as Hashem brings about these uh, 
uh, despite the sinning of Israel, HaKadosh Baruch Hu brings about this. And Shimu HaMelachim HaAzinu Raznim, they call upon the kings, whether it's the Jewish kings or the non-Jewish kings, as the Radak debates, um, to, to listen upon this song, to appreciate and understand what was really going on over here. Um, and it could be projecting for further walls where, uh, where, where there's the, some of the descriptions over here as the, the Mephoshim debate are referring to this specific or in the future, but nonetheless it's a projection onto, um, onto salvation in general. Our second part of the song really takes us from Pesukim, Hevov to Yud and this now talks about the specific plight and salvation in those days, and it's worthwhile thinking about because we hear things here in the song which we didn't actually hear in the text in Perek Dalad, which are helpful for us as well. So we hear it during the days of Shamgar ben Anas and the day Yael. So this is Shamgar was the previous Shofet as well. We don't hear so much about him in Nach, but we hear that the situation was Chardu Archois Valchenesi Voice Yelchu Archois Al um, this is referring to a time where people wouldn't use the roads. And when people need to get from point A to point B, they'd have to go these circuitous routes to get to those places. Why was this? So it seems that at this point in time, the, that the nation of Israel was so under the thumb of the Canaanites that it wasn't safe. They, they had, there was no uh, uh, oversight. There was no police force or government that was protecting them. There was an, a rule of anarchy because the presiding forces were that of the Canaanites who didn't really care particularly for the nation of Israel. And it wasn't they, they didn't have ba- basic national security to go in those ways. It sort of takes you back to the Golan Heights area just by the Galil um, pre-1967 where you know farmers would, would be shot at by snipers on the Golan Heights from the Syrians, um, and they, you know, they couldn't they couldn't walk in their fields. Children were being shot at, elderly people being shot at, because, of course, that didn't create an, an international outcry. It only created an outcry when Israel uh, secured the Golan Heights. But this is sort of that era, that that time era where where it was all in doubt. It was all unclear as to what's going to be the next step and how safe things are going to really be. Um, and so at this point in time, it talks about the arrival of the of the the judges the rival of the of these people um and hakosh baruch Hu choosing new ways to uh, to to support and sh- and help his people hashem will find new ways to save them they didn't even have a shield or a spear with for one in 40,000 people which means to say that the nation of israel was really in a helpless situation militarily and nonetheless god gave them the ability to be able to succeed in this battle. We go to the next <coughs> the next section in our Haftarah, which takes us over to Pasuk Yudches. This we now hear about those who weren't involved. Now Devorah and Barak criticize those who did not be, um, be part, become part of the war, or the war. And this is really thematic to all of Sefer Shoftim, because unlike in Malachim, where the king could round up all of Israel and had the mandate to do so, Barak and Devorah really actually did not have the mandate or control of all of Israel. And in fact, most people didn't come. Although well, it is true that they were able to take, to take the areas of Naphtali, um, but nonetheless, she calls out specific tribes. She talks about and, uh, and criticizes Yisachar. She talks about the Transjordan um, people of Reuven and Gad who did not come to this battle. This battle was fought only by partial tribes. And this is going to be a curse which affects all of Sefer Shoftim because there is no centralization of leadership as well. And she decries that. Something which Yeshua and Moshe were very concerned about that was why Reuven and Gad wanted to seem, seemingly secede from the union. It's very difficult to have a tribal leadership at the same time as a gov- as, as a federal government, to have states or provinces and a federal government working together. We don't have that federal government structure yet, and that's what Devorah is calling them out in the song. 
as well. The next four, the fourth part of this song is talks about actual miracles of the victory. And you learn some things here which are not known actually in the story itself. So we hear about Baal Malachim Nilchamu Oz Nilchamu Malchei Kanan, Betanach Al Megidoi, So we hear about the Kenna kings coming, Min Shamayim Nilchamu. We hear that from the heavens, the fight was happening. It's the stars themselves were fighting. What does that mean? The Redak says that it was, it's, it was so powerful, this battle, it seemed as supernatural. Whereas Rashi says unequivocally, it was supernatural. There were things that happened in this battle, battle which were completely supernatural. Some of them, as an example, are. There's a very famous scene. We hear Nachal Kishon Gorafam. The valley of uh, Kishon, it's not a very big river, but the, the brook of Kishon wiped them away. will stem upon them in the, the strength of my soul. As the Ramavoshim explained, um, we, we hear about this, the Ramavim describes that the river itself heated up so that as they were prancing through with their military equipment and their, and their horses, their horses' feet started melting and they were jumping around in pain and then the brook, suddenly what was a small, small stream, suddenly turned into this torrent of water and ra- washed them away as well. Very powerful descriptions which you don't actually hear about. So yes, they didn't have arms. Yes, they did not have organized military, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu took care of them as well. We see also Oiru Meroz. We hear about this this Meroz, a star or important person who didn't come to help the Jews that, he, that she criticizes once again in the section. There's no doubt that J.R.R. Tolkien in his Lord of the Rings, at the end of the Fellowship of the Ring, and, and describes the entrance into Rivendell, takes the scene of the Russian, the Kishon Brook, into his mythology. Where, I mean, no, clear, no question, he was taking the, the scene of entering Rivendell directly from our Haftorah, from the biblical story over here of the Brook of Kishon. We now enter the fifth section of this of the Haftorah, which is Chavdalet to Chavzal we hear blessing the actions of Sisra. It describes how she really, you know, she was, they were allied with the Canaanites and she really stepped out of line from, the, uh, from being allied. And at the same time, she also took great personal risk. It is interesting that Chazal point out that the words lying down are mentioned numerous times over here in these psalms describing Yael, which indicate that she actually made the ultimate sacrifice is that she allowed herself to be used by this general in order to exhaust him in order for him to go to sleep so she could kill him, which is a huge sacrifice that she made herself in order to end this war as well. Very powerful description over here. We then hear about the third woman who is really a passive person, party in this entire story, and that is the mother of Cicero, and describes, again, something we don't hear at the beginning of the story, how she looks through this window and she's waiting for her son, and it gets later and later, and her wise women are telling her, oh, don't worry, he's just raping and pillaging and, and killing more, and that's why he's late today. And she tries to tell herself this as well, but she starts to weep, and it's interesting that actually Chazal derive the sounds of the, sh- the show from the weeping of Cicero based on the similar words like Tiyabev Aim Cicero which is the word which relates to the word um, Trua and um, uh, the, which we use on Rosh Hashanah she, this becomes the emblem of what it means to cry and what it means to uh, to, to learn the sounds of the Shofar words like groans or, 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 or whimpering those are the sounds of the Shavarim and Trua learnt from this episode over here and you wonder why is that the case so the answer is is because in a certain sense she knows in her gut that her son's dead she knows something is wrong her instincts tell her that something is not right and yet her wise woman around her her court tells her no 
he is just killing and raping and pillaging more. And that's why it is. And she tells herself, She herself will claim to her, And she keeps saying it to herself as well. And that's what we do to ourselves. We are the mother of a sister sometimes, where we know instinctually that what we did is wrong. We know instinctually that something's off in our lives. And yet, we have all these wise rationales that we layer upon the real truth that's occurring in our lives. And when we start to cry, it's the realization that those falsehoods, those rationales and those justifications are really false. And the longer we wait, the worse it becomes. And that's the cry that is emitted from the soul, realizing that in fact it is wrong. And that's what we learn from the mother of sister itself. And finally, we conclude the last pasuk in the Haftorah, which is the end of the song, is all your enemies should be destroyed as well. And your, the ones you love should be like the, the sun emitting in its strength. And there was 40 years of peace already, a wholesome amount of time as we see in Sefer Shoftan. This is the, the template for a time of peace. The Ralbag points out that why, what is the image of the sun? She says because as the sun rises, it's it's beautiful, but it's not at its peak of heat. And the blessing that she's giving, the, the hope she's saying is that let this be the beginning of this victory and let, it become, let Israel ra- rise to their spiritual heights which are of full glory of day and let this be something which is not forgotten unfortunately it is only 40 years before the next nation steps in but this is really a powerful powerful conclusion of this song have a wonderful meaningful day and a beautiful Shabbat